0: Winners and losers from the NFL Draft. Hmm. How did the Titans do? What about the Falcons? We're going to find out from our next guest. He is locked in more than anybody probably in the industry or just as much as anybody in the industry. I'd like to think more than anybody in the in this industry because he is a Canuck. He is the man, the myth, the legend. Seth Galina is joining us, senior college football analyst from Pro Football Focus. What's up, Seth? Welcome in, my friend.
1: What's going on? I appreciate the uh, the warm welcome. Uh, hey. I'm not even sure I would consider myself the the uh, the, the the top uh, draft analyst, but I appreciate
0: it. Uh, you know what? In my book, you're you're always number one, my friend. So I appreciate <laughs> you being here and doing this with us every single time I ask you. You're always very accommodating, so I appreciate that always. Uh, let's talk first and foremost. Let's talk about the teams that the people in this area care about the most. Let's start with the Falcons. Obviously, they go after and they get Kyle Pitts and. They did not go after the quarterback, which a lot of people thought. Now, I'm, I'm, before we get into the rest of the draft, of the draft as a whole, I have to ask you this question. If and We may never know this, but if Trey Lance was there at three, if San Francisco had gone with Fields or Jones, do you believe that the Falcons still would have taken Kyle Pitts, or do you think they maybe would have gone with Trey Lance? I mean, I guess
1: for me, one of the issues is it's it's hard for me to look at the other teams and see where they rank the quarterbacks because I have Fields as the number two quarterback mm. in this draft. So for me, it's like, well, Fields was there for them. Yeah, and in fact, Fields was there for a bunch of teams until yep. so the Chicago Bears traded up for them. So for me, it's like, okay, I don't think they would have done anything differently, but at the same time, we don't know what they were looking at. Clearly, a bunch of teams had um, fields, I guess, lower than me on the, on their boards, and maybe that was the Falcons too. So maybe you're right. Maybe if the trail was there, and I think he would have fit what they want to do on offense. I mean, but like, fields would have fit too because mm-hmm. he's a talented player. But yeah, I think that there, there, there's a there's a possibility that um, that would have been a pick. With that said, I kind of believe Pitts was the Pitts was a player from from you know day one in the process. I think it's uh, you can't go wrong with that type of player, especially because I think they want to keep the Matt Ryan um, kind of Super Bowl window with Julio open. You know, obviously we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. They didn't end up trading Julio. I don't think they're going to do it now. Um, so I think they're just trying their best to keep that window open, and you get another playmaker on that offense.
0: You certainly do, and uh, again, as you mentioned, you can't go wrong with the Kyle Pitts. Now, what about the rest of the draft? I was reading over some of your guys' draft uh, you know, um, grades and analysis on the draft up on PFF and great stuff by you guys over there. Uh, the next round pick was safety Richie Grant, and um, he was great against the run, as you guys said. He was great on one-on-one drills at the Senior Bowl, but they did pass on T- TCU's Trevon Morig uh, to go get him Smart play, maybe not so smart play. What did you think of their second round pick there with Richie Grant?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do like this selection. I, I think he probably could have gone somewhere in the third round. I mean, it's a bit of a reach. And I think the thing with, with the TCU kid is something happening with this because there's no reason for him to have fallen. Uh, you know, based on his tape, there's, there's almost no reason for him to have fallen as much as he did. Into I'm not sure which number of safety he ended up being, but it, you know not the first, not the second, not the third. So I think that's crazy. Like I would have picked him if I was the Falcons, but I do think Grant is a is a fine selection, even if it was maybe a tad too early for me uh, at that at that spot.
0: Seth Galena, again, our guest pro football focus, senior college football analyst. What did you make of the rest of the Falcons draft as a whole? When you look at it as a whole, uh, I don't want to say I don't. I don't want to ask you because it's super cliche to ask you. Oh, grade it out for me and give it a letter grade. But you know, how did you view the rest of their draft? Did, did you think they made some good selections, some questionable selections? Do you think they addressed the needs that they needed to address? Yeah. I, um, when
1: you're looking at that in the whole, because of how I feel about Kyle Pitts, it's, uh, it's somewhere in the plus, minus range. And I think if you pick up that back, which to a certain degree. You know, the, the, the pick is kind of an inevitable. Uh, I didn't know what I said about the not wanting wanted to I found, And I would probably put the draft in the, probably a C-plus C range. Like mm-hmm. I said, maybe a little reach on Grant. Maybe Jalen Mayfield's a little bit of a reach um, in, in the third round. So, you know, you know, Darren Hall, a little bit of a reach. I mean, they all could be good players, but I'm not convinced right now that – they could have, you know, that's great if they wanted to go with these positions, safety, tackle, cornerback, but I'm not sure if those players were the right selections at the time. Um, obviously, like they had them higher on their board than, than I think a lot of them, I guess, the consensus media board. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think you probably want to live with the consensus and not try and overdraft people, even if you like them, because we've seen time and time again, I mean, we know the draft is somewhat of a crapshoot, and you, you're you passing on value every time you you, you go get a guy because you, you have this connection to him from watching the tape, from looking at the numbers, from talking to him, um, that you believe, uh, you kind of believe in yourself if you're a general manager or a head coach, and guess what? Like, you've gotten to that point uh, at the highest level of, of football, you, I'm sure you do believe in yourself. But that hubris kind of leads to these types of decisions. I don't, I'm really not just talking about, you know, Terry Fontenelle and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Arthur Smith in and, and Atlanta. I think with talking about with everybody. I think that's what leads a lot of people uh, at the position of Stray, is just the, 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 the conviction they have for certain players when I don't think that's really warranted given the data we have years and years of drafting.
0: Let me ask you what you believe now uh, in terms of the draft. Do you believe that you should draft for, I guess if you were a general manager, would you draft more for need on your team, or would you go best player available, or does it kind of determine on the situation within the roster that you're you're working with?
1: I, I think positional value is probably at the top, um, and, and it's why, you know, like, I think we talked about this, but Micah Parsons, the linebacker who goes, ends, up, ends up going to Dallas, is an cr- incredible football player. Um, but it's like, how much does that position inside linebacker change your whole team? And I think we saw we've seen it over the past 10, 15 years with running backs. Obviously, we saw two go back to back in the first round. I think that was a little shocking yeah. um, at both places, Pittsburgh and and Jacksonville, especially Pittsburgh. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think positional value is probably the first thing you have to look at, and then you just look. And then for me, it's like athleticism, and I've come around to yeah. this. You know, as a, as a as a Saints fan and, like, growing up with Drew Brees, you know, he got there when I was, I think, like, 18 years old. So, like, when I started to really understand football, I was watching the Saints every weekend watching this quarterback. And I was like, oh, well, every quarterback needs to be, like, this super-accurate and doesn't have to be big, just doesn't have to be fast, whatever then I'm kind of realizing it's not just quarterback, but a lot of positions. Hey, let, let me go get the athlete at an important position first. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the rest later. So that's kind of where I see it. Um, and then th- the third thing, like I just said, is don't get connected to these guys. Because then you get nervous. And you say, oh, no. I'm five picks away. I'm 10 picks away. I'm 15 picks away. And someone's going to take them. Someone's going to take my guy and then you have to trade up yeah. and then you're giving up jack capital. And so I, I would stay away from that type of stuff. And I think that's so, so hard because we're all human beings. right? Yeah. Um, it's like, it reminds me of uh, decision-making in game when it comes to like fourth down on punting, kicking field goals, stuff like that, running the ball, stuff like that. I mean, we're all, we're, you know, we're all trying to, we want to make decisions with data, but I think it's really hard to do that. Um, we just, we're just, we're emotional, uh, emotional animals, you know? Yeah. So that, those would be my, my three things I think when it comes
0: to the draft. Yeah. And you need to have, I think, a, a healthy balance and life is all about balance between, you know, the data and, you know, the emotional value, because I know baseball, a lot of times they say people are too driven by analytics and you have to manage, you know, a little bit more old school with your eyes and with your head and with your heart a little bit more than you do with just the numbers. But I think you need to, again, balance that between both when it comes to any sports, again, we're talking with Seth Galina, Pro Football Focus senior college football analyst. Let's move quickly to the Titans. And um, what did you think of their draft as a whole? Uh, you know, again, I'm not going to ask you to give it a grade, but just you know, Caleb Farley, you know, Mister Injury Prone a little bit there in, in round one, but super talented. And then you know what they did with the rest of the draft, sort of ignoring the wide receivers until the fourth round. Um, there's still maybe moves to be made, you know, in terms of you know bringing in a, a veteran guy or making a trade with somebody. But what did you think as a whole with what the Titans did?
1: Big fan. And, you know, this was obviously a very good team the past couple of years since uh, since Panning was out there, and they've really improved the offense. and defense is, is okay, um, but, you know, it's definitely a playoff team. But then, with all the stuff that happened in free agency, losing a bunch of guys, uh, like you said, at receiver position and then at the cornerback position, it's like, ooh, I don't know about this roster all of a sudden. You know, lose, losing the offensive coordinator, losing a bunch of snaps on that offense and defense, you know, I think there were some people probably a little worried about going to the season. Now, I think they've addressed that at, at, a, at a, such a high level, taking Farley and then in the third round taking Elijah Molden. Farley, outside corner, obviously he falls to them. He's a top 15 talent. He falls to them at 22 because there's some injury concerns, I think. Um, but if he's healthy, he's a top 15 player. um in, and and could have been drafted in the same spots where J.C. Horn and Patrick Systrom were drafted. The most interesting one is Elijah Molden in the third round. He is, you know, we, we thought he was the best slot cornerback on the on, on in, in coming out of college football mm-hmm. last year. And you get him in the third round um, when we thought of him as a late first round, uh, somewhere in the in the second round, I'd say. Um, draft pick, you get him there at pick one hundred. That is a great pick. And a position in case they lost Desmond King, who was I, I believe Desmond King was their slot corner last year. They lose yeah. him. I mean, besides the other cornerbacks, they lost, but they lose a, specifically a slot corner. You replaced him right away with Elijah Mullen. I think that's a great pick. Um, yeah, the receiver position, you know, they go and get away to McMath He's a guy who's kind of bounced around. Trying was he a tight end at, at LSU? Was he a receiver at LSU? They tried to move him around. Never really could see the field consistently. That. Obviously, would would concern me, and it's why he falls to the sixth round. But the you know the talent uh, that he, you know the size the physical nature is all there. Now, will he ever put it together? Um, he didn't put it together in college. Can he put it together in the NFL? It's a long shot, but there's a lot to like about him. Um, so, but besides that, yeah, I think I think going after a receiver maybe in the second round or or, or another one of the third round picks would have been interesting.
0: All right, final one for me here because uh, we're a little short on time today, but I um, just w- wanted to just get your thoughts on some teams that you, outside of those two other teams that you really – give me a team or two that you really liked what they did in, in the draft and then maybe a team or two that you were kind of scratching your head at just watching the picks and then when you look back at their entire draft class, you're thinking, man, I, I don't know exactly what they were thinking. Maybe they reached. Maybe they didn't exactly address the needs that we thought they, they needed to address.
1: I think on the loser end, it's weird, but the Panthers had such a great draft after the first round. And I think JC Horn is a good, a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player. But you're passing on Justin Fields at that point, and the value of taking him at seven or eight, whatever, I think it's seven that they picked, would have been out, uh, out of this world. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the Bears taking him him at is already. Even, even giving away a first-round pick next year is an incredible value. So they had a great draft, but J.C. Horn um, not doesn't really fit their scheme. You know, they play a lot of off. They actually had the least amount of press cornerback snaps, press man snaps last year, and that's what J.C. Horn is best at. And so, can he fit in there? So it's like a great draft that's kind of undone a bit by passing on Fields and taking a cornerback who doesn't fit in the scheme. And I think I really liked what uh, what Baltimore did. Getting two receivers, they get um, in the first round, they get Rashad Bateman, and they get later, I think in the third and fourth round, they get Tyron Wallace. They need a one-on-one receiver, and th- both those guys can be that player. So they go out and try and get, in the, and they take a chance on both of them. Um, I like Bateman a lot. I like Tyron Wallace a little bit too. So I think that, for them, that's the biggest concern on offense, just having a one-on-one outside receiver. They went in and tried to get... And they got two, and hopefully one of them one of
0: them works out tonight. Seth Kalina has been our guest. He is the senior college football analyst, pro football focused host of the PFF College Football Podcast. As well, you can follow him up on Twitter at pff underscore Seth. Seth, before I let you go, can I just ask you to throw your two cents in here about this whole Aaron Rodgers saga? I think there's a lot of misinformation going around. I know you you mainly cover on the college football side, but I know you're an NFL fan and a football fan in general. Just what do you make about this entire situation going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers right now?
1: Hey, you want know my hot take of all hot takes? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I think he was propped up by Matt Lafleur the past two years. I don't think he. Wow. I, I'm I when I look back, I'm like I think there is wherever he ends up playing this year. Now I'm not saying he's he's a bad quarterback. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's still like a top. Five top 10 quarterback for sure future hall of famer no doubt about it i'm not saying anything else than that but i think lucre did such a wonderful job playing to his strengths in a way that mike mccarthy did not do um so maybe that 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 alone just just revealed who rogers really is on the football field Mm -hmm. um as this great quarterback again but i thought there was he was going to be um, my kind of big time regression candidate. I don't think he'll have that type of season again um, in Green Bay, and then if it's not Green Bay, uh, you know maybe somewhere else. Uh, the problem right now with Rogers is what other teams are there other than you know Denver. Uh, San Francisco, they, you know, they turned down San Francisco and then they want to take quarterback. Now, obviously, if you're San Francisco, you can still trade Trey Lance for, for Rodgers. Yeah. But I just want to where, what teams are available for him right now. I think it would be amazing because I'm all into, uh, chaos, uh, if he gets traded. I know you wouldn't like that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> nope.
0: Not a big, not so, a big yeah, fan of that. <laughs> But um. But yeah. But if they yeah. well, I don't know why they would trade for Trey Lance when they already have a, a young quarterback that's a project anyway. And Jordan Love it seemed like you'd have two guys that were projects. Now, do do you like Jordan Love? I know we haven't really seen anything from him. He got COVID last year, so he really didn't get a chance to play. He wasn't around as much. And do you think he would be ready to to jump into that system?
1: Ah, man. I mean, like I said, it's a good system. They, that system has produced a lot of um, uh, good play from quarterbacks. But I don't know about Jordan Rimes. I mean, yes, the COVID thing happened. Uh, You don't know how that affected him. But, uh, you know, he didn't play the dress for a lot of games. Back up to the backup, you know, Tim Boyle's backup, who was Aaron Rodgers' backup, that scares me a bit. Um, A friend of mine said it's interesting. I don't know how much I believe this, but he said it's interesting that none of the Packers players or receivers have come out and, and, and kind of supported Jordan Love, and I'm like, a, hey, you know what, even if Aaron leaves, we still have uh, Jordan Love type thing. No one's really done that. That's a stretch, I understand that. yeah uh, But, um, yeah, so it, it would concern me a bit if, if they have to go to Jordan Love right now. We just don't know. I, I know he was a first-time pick I thought he was a reach of a first-round pick last year. And then being a third-string quarterback doesn't give me that much hope for the future. I'm very sorry
0: to tell you that. No, I know it. I, I don't have a lot of faith in it as well. <laughs> Seth Galina, our guest here on The Word with G. Follow him up on Twitter at PFF underscore Seth. Appreciate the time, as always, my friend. Have a great rest of the week. All right, bye. There we go. Seth Galina right here on The Word with